0: Now, if you're not already at Job chapter 42, uh, please turn to Job chapter 42. Now, chapter 42 is the end of Job's story, in case you didn't know that. Uh, Job has gone through some things, but what chapter chapter uh, 42 does is to let us know how Job came out on the other side. Verse number 11 of chapter 42, no, verse 10. And the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave him twice as much as he had before. Then all his brothers, all his sisters, and all those who had been his acquaintances before came to him and ate food with him in his house and they consoled him and comforted him for all the adversity that the Lord had brought upon him. Each one gave him a piece of silver, and each a ring of gold. Now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning, for he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 female donkeys. He also had seven sons and three daughters. And he called the name of the first Jemima, and the name of the second Kaziah, and the name of the third Karen Hapush. And all the land were found no women so beautiful as the daughters of Job. And their father gave them an inheritance among their brothers. After this, Job lived 140 years and saw his children and grandchildren for the fourth generations. Now, if you're a grandparent, you're lucky to see your grandchildren. So Job died old and full of days. I want to use as a subject uh, this morning, you can bounce back from depression. And so we've done with today's lesson, three lessons on depression. The first one was for Christians who struggle. You guys remember that? And the whole idea was to help us uh, to uh, demystify the fact that Christians suffer. And sometimes we suffer mental illness. We talk about our physical ailments, but rare uh, do we feel comfortable talking about our mental issues, depression, bipolar disorder anxiety disorder, all those kinds, they are legitimate health issues, just like the arthritis, and the gout, and the bad back, and the diabetes, and all these other things that we are very comfortable talking about, the high blood pressure, heart disease, and stuff like that. We need to recognize that we need to be equally as comfortable talking about mental health issues. They are not just out yonder they sitting right up in here with us even on this day. Amen. And so for Christians who struggle with the first lesson, and then the second one was uh, sin and depression. And, and so in the first lesson we talked about the fact that depression can be caused by a whole lot of things, uh, hormonal issues, chemical imbalances, and things like that, but we looked at some passages from the life of Saul in the second lesson to help us understand you can become depressed because you sin and keep on sinning against the will of God. Because as you're covering up sin and covering up sin, uh, you, you don't have an outlet for it, and it just makes you become worse and worse. Uh, but then with the final lesson in the series, I wanted to help us to understand you can go through this. Severe depression, but you can bounce back. And I need for us to understand that uh, we need to tell our stories, those of us uh, who have gone through mental illnesses and challenges, but you're on the other side of it. Uh, You may be able to help somebody who's in the middle of it right now by sharing your story. And so I want us to initially look at how God blessed Job on the other side to, to help us understand there's hope. Uh, To help us understand that on the other side is beautiful, but you cannot forget what you had to go through because it helps you to appreciate the deliverance that God brings on the other side. And too many times we don't have the full enjoyment of recovery because we're trying to cover up stuff that we've gone through. We've just seen uh, a wave in politics where folks are trying to deny reality, but it's factual. It's in the book. You can't deny it. You might as well get with it and learn from it. Amen. And the same thing can happen to us when it comes to mental illness in uh, brothers and sisters. Uh, so I want us, if you will, go to chapter 1 and just wait for me there in chapter 1 because I'm going to read uh, chapter 1 and, 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 and some of chapter 2 to help set the stage for this lesson. But I want to begin by saying that there are some things that happen to us that you and I cannot explain. Think about some of the issues and challenges that you face in life. Uh, they weren't always uh, pretty things. They were not always the kind of things that you uh, just want to tell people about, but they happen. Even in the life of Christians, there there's, there's some dark days that some of us have experienced uh, that may have been death, that may have been you getting fired from a job. You want to tell people you resigned, but you really were fired. There is a difference between resigning and fired, being fired. But we will tell people, well, I, I, I quit, when actually the job quit you. <laughs> but people have gone through financial issues and things like that through no fault of your own. You know, because in the, in the economy they live in, if you don't have a job, but you got bills, you're going to have problems. And whereas some people seem to always be able to get a job, they leave, uh, they leave one and before they even leave that one, there's another job waiting for them. Some of us have had the opposite experience. When, when you no longer have a job, it takes you some months and maybe a year or two. Well, guess what happens in the interim? Bills still, still keep coming in. And there's nothing worse than to have bills but don't have no money to pay them. Because too much in our society, we equate success with having a job and having money. Yeah. And sometimes people don't have a job and they don't have an income, they feel worthless. Yeah. And it leads to depression. Mm-hmm. And, and we try and figure out what's going on with them, but they're not able to fulfill the responsibilities that they have, and not knowing how to talk about that or how to handle that or channel that energy can send people in some dark places. Now, just like there are some things that can happen to us that cannot be explained, there are some people that can come up saying some stuff to us that make what we're going through even worse. And you have some of them friends, you're you, you having uh, some hard times and whatnot, and instead of them encouraging you and supporting you, they come over and you wish they had stayed wherever they were. Yeah. Because what they're saying is not helpful. And, and we will assume, because, well, I came over because you're my friend. Well, if, if I'm your friend and you come over and you know that I'm, I'm in desperate straits, come over to cheer me up. Don't come over to challenge me and accuse me of stuff and ask a thousand questions. You realize a real friend does not have to ask a whole bunch of questions. A real friend just needs to know my friend is in trouble and they are there to help you. And they will say, you don't have to tell me this. I know your character. I know who you are. I just want to help you, versus the nosy neighbor, who come with a thousand questions before they even get in the door. You know those kind of people, kind of folks you want to close the door on, or you want to hang up on on the telephone, or you delete their email as soon as you see it. Okay, got a modern day sister, she talked about blocking calls over here. <laughs> We know what you've been doing. Just like there are some things that we can go through, there are some people uh, that challenge us. There are also feelings and emotions that we can have that take us to low places. It's a low place when you're depressed. It's a low place when you have anxiety disorder. It's a low place when you're bipolar. It's a low place when you got all these phobias uh, that you have, when you're caught up in worry, or when you have become discouraged. That can take you to some low places where you'll think some things you never thought you'd think, and you may very well be challenged to do some stuff that you never thought you'd do. Yeah. The good news is that there's just some things God has to deliver us from. You can go to the doctor, and yeah, they can write you out a prescription, but the prescription is really not going to deliver you from the issue. They just make you sleep. You know some of them prescriptions, they just make you sleep, sleep more. Uh, the, The situation is still the same. You're just sleeping through it. That's why with some of this medicine, you can't be driving when you start taking it. And so God has to deliver us. Not your doctor, not your best friend, not your mama, your daddy, but Dr. Jesus has to write you out a prescription that you have to use in order to deal with those kinds of situations. And really, in Job's situation, that's where we are. Job gets in a situation where he needs deliverance from God. Now, I'm going to lesson to so say he gets some friends who come over and his friends are nightmares, because they don't help him. They, they make him feel worse, and they create more doubt and anxiety in his life. So I'll just drop this while I'm here. Um, if you can't cheer a person up, don't go visit them in the hospital. Don't feel that you're so important that you gotta go, got go there, but you are making the sick person feel even worse. because when you start talking about what your relative died of and and all this kind of stuff and you're talking to somebody who may be experiencing the same kind of issue they don't don't need to hear that kind of stuff but in our holy disposition we feel we got to go or we got to call when sometimes you need to stay at home and pray did you guys hear me? you need to stay at home and pray let the people who have the gift of encouragement go because all of us do not have that gift. Amen. So let me, let me just drop a couple of things, well, one, two, three, four, five things here before I get into the lesson. And that is, why do people suffer? Because that's the age-old question that people ask. Why do people suffer? Now, I need for you to understand, good people and bad people suffer. Amen. You and I are not immune from suffering because we are Christian. Right. Christians suffer just like folk who don't know God. The issue is, when you suffer as a Christian, you got a God on your side who helps you to go through the suffering. And sometimes we need to recognize that there's benefit in suffering. Because some of us are more faithful today because we went through some stuff. So why do men suffer? First reason uh, that people suffer is because of sin. When you and I get outside of the will of God, when you and I just do what we want to do in violation of Scripture, do not be surprised if there are negative consequences that occur, and you don't get to pick what the consequences are. The wages of sin, Scripture says, is death. But before it says that, it says all have sinned and fallen short. So I'm looking at a building, a room full of sinners. Unless you're calling God a lie. Anybody's bold enough to call God a a lie? I wouldn't want to be sitting beside you if you did. So we suffer because we don't do what God has told us to do. Secondly, we suffer because we need some discipline. Let's be real. Some of us are not disciplined. We have no structure. We just do what we want to do, however we want to do it, however it feels to us. And God has to sometimes let some trouble come into your life to help you to understand. You need some structure. You need to be disciplined. You need to be consistent in what you're doing. You need to be true to what you say you believe. Because a lot of times we will say we believe things, but our actions don't always support it. Read Hebrews chapter 12, 5 through 12. It'll help you with understanding that some people need discipline. And they got to go through some bad days, some bad issues to get there. Others need, uh, others suffer because uh, of the need for strengthening. Some people go through stuff so they begin to understand you're not as strong as you think you are, as you've been talking about you are. You may be able to lift a couple hundred pounds, but that doesn't mean you can deal with the stresses and issues of life. You remember Paul had a thorn in the flesh, and Paul wanted God to remove it, get rid of it. And Paul says, I prayed three times. God said, I'm not going to do it. He wasn't going to do it because God can show his power even in the midst of your thorn in the flesh. Because now you have to depend on God to get through the pain and discomfort. Whereas if it didn't happen, we'd say, I did it. Or we give credit to doctor, whoever we went to. Or whatever the medicine is, you're you're taking. So sometimes God allows suffering to help us understand, you need to rely on my grace and mercy. That's what you need to rely on. And then God allows people to suffer to demonstrate God's comfort. There are some situations that you and I find ourselves in, God is the only one who can lift us up. Other folk can come and say stuff, it it, it does not work. But God has to do something. God has to use people, or the word of God has to penetrate us at some of those low moments. And so you can begin to appreciate the psalm. Uh, God ministers to a lot of us through the Psalms. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Anybody remember that one? The Lord is my rock and fortress. Uh, God is a very present help in the time of struggle or the time of trouble. Those passages provide structure. Or uh, or one that I really like, fret not thyself because of evildoers. So when folks start messing with me, that's, that's what I want to read. Because it reminds me, don't get upset, Maurice, because of these folk who are trying to do you bad. Because the same passage will say, God will deal with them. So, so, so I think on that, and I know God's going to deal with them, so now I can go to sleep. Now I don't have to worry. Now I don't have to be stressed out over this. And then there, there are times when we suffer simply to reveal God's glory. You remember the the boy who was born blind? Uh, Folk in John chapter 9 are trying to wrestle over, well, who sinned, his mama or daddy, that he's in this condition? And and the passage helps us understand neither sin, uh, this has happened so that the glory of God, the power of God can be revealed. So sometimes you and I suffer so other folk can see God at work through our lives. And that's why as a Christian, you ought to stop whining and complaining about every inconvenience that you go through because God may very well be using that to teach somebody else a lesson. And you rob God of the glory because you're whining and complaining about it. We whine and complain because we don't know the power of God. We whine and complain because we have not read the scriptures to understand folk have dealt with worse stuff and you going through, and God delivered them. We'll start freaking out the moment we get a, a, a bill coming in and we don't have any money for it. Why? You do know that's not an uncommon occurrence. <laughs> that's not uncommon for folk that you get bills and you don't have money for. You pay what you can pay, or you call your creditor and work something out. But you don't sit around fretting over it and stressing over it. That's an easy fix. Because if you don't have it, they can't get it from you. <laughs> and we'll let a bill collector send us in depression. That's an easy fix there. Having said that, let's read a little bit uh, from the book of Job. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright and one who feared God and shunned evil. And seven sons and three daughters were born to him. Also his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East." And his sons would go and feast in their houses, each one on his appointed day, and would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. So it was, when the days of feasting had run their course, that Job would send and sanctify them, and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts, Thus Job did regularly. Now that gives us a glimpse into his character. Verse 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth, and from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. God is bragging on Job. So Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But now stretch, your, stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. That's what the devil is saying. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Now there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And a messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them when the Sabines raided them and took them away. Indeed, they have killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another came and said, the fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, The Chaldeans formed three bands, raided the camels, and took them away. Yes, and killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another came and said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, and suddenly a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on the young people, and they were dead. And they are dead, and I alone have escaped to tell you. Then Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, and fell down to the ground and worshipped. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb. Naked shall I return there. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Verse 22, And all this Job did not sin nor charge God wrong. Look at this man going through all this loss. And he still respects and reverences God. And the text says he recognized that everything that he had, God had given it to him. And just like God had the right to give it to him, God also had the right to take it away. He's still God. So think about all that you have that you think is yours. You need to understand that which you have, God gave it to you. And if He feels like taking it from you, He has not wronged you by doing that. The question will be what will your attitude be? Because some of you say, it's my stuff. Nobody's going to take it. <laughs> Chapter 2. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Here again, God is bragging on or suggesting Job that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. And still he holds fast to his integrity, although you have incited me against him to destroy him without cause. So Satan answered the Lord and said, skin for skin. Yes, all that a man has he will give for his life. But stretch out your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, he is in your hands, but spare his life. So in essence, God said, you can do whatever you want to him, just don't kill him. There was something about Job that God had confidence. That Even though Satan was going to attack him, he wasn't going to leave me. Now think about the folk you know who just a little trouble comes in their life, little inconvenience, and they stop coming to worship service. A little trouble, a little inconvenience comes in their life, a little adversity, let a little snow come, and they won't even come to worship. Verse 7, So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with painful balls from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head, and he, and he took to for himself a potter of, pot of shirt which with which to scrape himself while he sat in the midst of the ashes. Verse 9. Then his wife said to him, Sometimes even the folk who are close to you are no help when you're going through stuff. Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Husband, curse God and die. But he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God, and shall we not accept adversity? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Now, I need you to understand, he didn't sin with his lips. Because as we look at the story, we're going to see he's going to wrestle with this. Now, he's not going to defame God and charge God falsely, but put yourself in Job's situation. How are you going to handle this? How are you going to deal with all this loss? Loss after loss. Your possessions are gone. Your children are gone. and Some of you crazy about your children. They're all gone then his health goes bad. You and I can shout hallelujah about this story because we know the background. We know that what Job is going through is a result of a conversation between God and the devil. We know that God offered Job as an example of a faithful servant who will not quit on me. Job didn't know this. So he's going through all this not knowing that there's a supernatural fight going on. And you're just caught in the middle. You and I get to know that. So therefore, if we find ourselves in this kind of constraint, we all not be falling apart because we know something Job didn't know. Amen. Amen. So the next time you go to the doctor and you don't like the test results they give you, don't fall apart. And I thought like you got to call a million people to pray for you. I think you're supposed to be a priest as a Christian. You can pray for yourself. But just because you're going through it momentarily does not mean it's over. We just lose our minds and go to the doctor. Well, I got to have surgery. I got to do this. Okay, we live in a world where folk have surgery every day. And folks have surgery in the morning and they're back home at night where is your faith? Where is your trust in God? Some of you, if you stub your toe, it's a major crisis. Okay, I guess you've never stubbed your toe at home. Uh, You should have turned the light on, but you're trying to walk around in the bedroom or somewhere, and you don't have your shoes on, and you hit your toe on the end of a the bedpost or on a doorknob or a a dresser or something like that, and you're about to fall out and cry. It's not the end of the world when you consider what Job went through. So Job does not know there's a spiritual warfare going on, And, and you're just caught in the middle between God and the devil, and God is using you to show Satan something. But he's also using Job to show us something that you can bounce back from all kind of adversity, all kind of illness, all kind of calamity that goes on in your life. So we learned that Job was a good and he was a faithful man. He was a family man who cared enough about his children. He offered sacrifices just in case they messed up. He was a rich man but he lost everything that he had. And I don't know about you guys, but I like Job's attitude toward his losses. Naked I came into the world, that's how I'm going out. God gave it, he can take it away. That's, that's a spiritual man talking. Now that's not to say he's not going to miss any of that kind of thing, but Job, Job has a bigger picture. He understands God's in control. Mm -hmm. And so Satan says, let me take this to another degree. Because maybe Job can understand him losing his money and his possessions and his children. But let me make him sick. You guys know we act the craziest Mm -hmm. and the most undisciplined when we get sick. And we will say some stuff and treat folk bad when we sick because we're under the weather. You know, I'm not myself. I'm under the power or the influence of the medicine of the doctors give. We blame it on everything other than recognizing you didn't have to say what you said. You don't have to be as ungrateful and cantankerous as you are when you're sick when somebody is lovingly helping to take care of you and putting up with your junk. Now you guys know, uh, you fellows know, when you're sick, your wife fix your favorite meal, and she does all this kind of good stuff for you, and you're insensitive. Okay. So, so for sure you'd say amen on that one. And so Job is in the thick of it now. Don't you think he has a right to be depressed? Don't you think it has a right to be down? But it still has its integrity. And so I need for us to understand that even though we go through stuff, it doesn't mean we won't feel the effects of it. But what we're feeling ought not to cause us to lose sight of what we know. Because sometimes we'll be feeling whatever it is we're feeling based on what we're going through, and we forget about what we know about God. We act like God has abandoned us. He's forgotten about me. He's punishing me for something. Instead of, no, there's a spiritual warfare going on, and God may be saying, have you considered my servant Jackie? Mm. Mm. Have you considered my servant Dennis? Mm. Have you considered my servant Josephine? Mm. Have you considered my servant Matthew? You don't know, but what you ought to know is God's still in control, regardless of what you personally are going through. So, in the latter part of verse number, verse in the latter part, of chapter two, Job's three friends show up. I at least appreciate when they first get there; they just sit down for a week and they quiet. Sometimes the best thing you can do when people are going through what they're going through is just simply be there in silence. Amen. Practice the ministry of presence. Sometimes it is just helpful for you to simply be there. You guys have been there sitting in the waiting room with somebody. Or going over to the house just sitting there letting them letting them vent, let them cry, whatever, but you're just there to help if they need anything. Now, if they had simply stayed doing that, they would have been okay and Job would, would have been okay. But just like some of us, we got to put our personal two cents in. So in Job chapter 3, verses 1 through 11, we begin to see the depths of, Job, of Job's depression. He's deep in pain. He curses even his birthday, but he doesn't curse God. He curses the day he was born, but he doesn't curse the God who made him. He says the joys of his life are gone. Okay, I can understand him saying that. His children are gone. They are dead. He's suffering a fate worse than anything he could ever have imagined. So he has a right to be sad and depressed. Uh, he even says in, in that passage, don't even remember my birthday. Don't remember the day I was born. Let it be erased. You guys know how you love your birthdays. Some of you celebrate not just a day. You celebrate the whole week. Some of you got the audacity to celebrate the whole month. And so Job is saying, based on the situation I'm in, how I'm feeling, and the stuff I'm going through, I just wish I'd never been born. Don't even remember, don't send me no birthday card. Because of what he's experiencing and what he's suffering. And so from chapter 4 through chapter 37, we have this dialogue between Job and his friends. And, 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 you know, again, they came to comfort him. But as they start talking, they start accusing Job, Job, you must have done something wrong. Nobody would suffer like this who's right with God. You can't be all that innocent. Why don't you just repent and maybe things will get better? You guys know how, how, how you get these people who come over, they, they make these crazy assumptions, and instead of creating an encouraging and supportive environment, they challenge you. You must have done something wrong. What has all that going to church done for you if you're suffering like this? Because some of you got some friends like that. When stuff starts happening in your life, that's what they say. You know, Why you gave all that money to the church? Now when you need it, you don't have nothing. You need to rec- Them Folks don't know God. So they're going to say crazy stuff like that. You don't have to go crazy with them. Thank you. Amen. you have to do what they did, uh, Job did. You got to maintain your integrity. So uh, in these chapters, we have Eliphaz who comes to him. We have Bildad who comes to him. We have Zophar who comes. And finally, we have Elihu who comes. Now, all of these people come and they offer their opinions and their advice. But they knew nothing of the background to Job's story. So they're just looking at what's in front of them. Too many times we make assessments and we make judgments just based on what's merely in front of us. We don't take the time to see the bigger picture of what's going on. And so we jump to conclusions and we say things that had we had some additional information, we'd never say. So I would say to you, be careful about jumping to conclusions when you don't have the facts. This person may be suffering and going through it, but it doesn't mean they're a bad person. It just means they're going through some stuff. And we need to be careful how we look at them less next week is us. Because we're quick to talk about what other people are going through, and we, may, we say, well, you know, if I were in that, you know, I'd never do that. Okay, when it happens to you, you're doing worse. But that's what happens when you prejudge and you don't consider where people are. So each of these friends knew nothing about the conversation that had gone on between God and Satan. Because maybe had they known that, they would have kept their mouth shut. Maybe had they known that they would simply pray for Job, that he's able to endure what he's going through and been there to help him and encourage him, not to challenge him and make it seem like he's done something wrong in his life. Now, of all the the guys who spoke, Elihu, the, the last person who was the youngest, was the one who made the most sense, and that he helped Job to understand, Job, you guys are looking at this thing wrong. And He tried to help him understand you need to see God differently than how you have. See, if you have always viewed God as Santa Claus and he's always going to answer every prayer you make, then when you have problems, you're going to have a, you're going to have a problem accepting that God is the same today as he was when you were born. That, that he didn't come just to give you the good life. That in this life, you have good, you have bad, and you have ugly. But God's still God. So don't charge them falsely because everything is not going the way you want to. But when people get depressed, and when they get down, they will say and do anything, especially when they are annoyed by good friends. But again, as Job goes through all these conversations... Let's reflect back now on chapter 42. He lost everything he had. Health went bad. Economic loss. Wife went crazy on him. Yeah. If you're a Christian man, you're a Christian woman, and your spouse tells you something like Job's wife told him, she's gone crazy. He's gone crazy. Because we're supposed, we are supposed to trust God. So now, for chapter 42, verse number 10, and the Lord restored Job's losses. But look at what it says. He restored his losses when he prayed for his friends, those same friends that were knowing him. Indeed, the Lord gave Job two times as much as he had in the beginning. So his latter end is better than chapter 1. Then all his brothers, all his sisters, and all those who had been his acquaintances before came to him, they ate food with him in his house, and they consoled him and comforted him for all his adversity that the Lord had brought on Now people are responding the right way. They're there to comfort, not accuse Verse 12, now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning, for now he has 14,000 sheep. Go back to chapter 1, you'll see all of his possessions are doubled. He has 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. Your wealth today is measured by what you have in the bank. Back then, wealth was measured in your possessions. So Job is a wealthy man. But not only was his material possessions restored, verse 18, he got some more children. So he was grieving the ones that died in chapter 1. Now God blesses him. He also had seven sons and three daughters. And verse number 14 goes on to tell us what the names of them were. But the interesting thing is in verse number 15, in all the land... God gave him some pretty daughters, not some ugly daughters. The text says there were found no women so beautiful as the daughters of another blessing, to have attractive daughters that somebody else would want besides their daddy. Now daddy's going to want his daughter no matter how she looks. That's what daddy's gonna do. He's gonna support, he's gonna encourage her. But somebody outside of the family, uh, she's gonna have to look good for that person to come courting. In all the land were found no women so beautiful as the daughters of Job. And then the daddy gave these daughters an inheritance. And their father gave them an inheritance among their brothers. In that culture, boys got the money, not the girls. God has blessed him so well and much. He's able to not only take care of his sons, but he gives his daughter something. So now you, you single, educated, independent women, you got some stuff. But that's another sermon. After this, the text says Job lived 140 years. This is after all the bad stuff, after the depression, after all the loss, God lengthened his life out. And the text says he saw his children and grandchildren for one, two, three, four generations. As I said when I was reading, you're going to be lucky if you see one generation of grandchildren, let alone great-grandchildren. That's a blessing to be able to see that many offspring. And if Job's parenting in his later years was anywhere near what he did early on, these children would have had a good upbringing. Yeah. Then, verse 17 says, He died after having this wonderful life. But I like the latter part. So, Job died, old and full of days. His life, even in old age, was fruitful. It was productive. It was a life well lived. So it doesn't matter what you go through if in the end we can look back on your life and see how God has blessed you to be even more productive after you have come through your adversity. Because too many people, when they go through hard times, they get mean and bitter. Anybody know anybody mean and bitter? Those are not folks you want to be around. But we don't see that with Job. We see someone who was blessed tremendously. He bounced back from the dark days of the beginning of his story. And see, sometimes we want to cut things short. We think this is the end of the story. No, no. There's a second act. And in Job's second act, he was blessed with double what he had. So as I conclude today, first thought, there are things that are going on in our lives that you and I know nothing about, but God does. See, God knows where you're going to be next week. You don't know that. God even knows where you're going to be next year, if you're going to be anywhere. He knows if you're going to be in the ground or if you'll be on top of the ground. You just hope you'll be on top of the ground. God knows those of us in this room who are going to get sick. He he knows that. God already knows those of us who are going to live for another 20 years and those who may just have another year. God knows that. And so you and I need to learn how to trust him, no matter what the problem is we are going through. Secondly, God's people do suffer. God's people suffer. Sometimes when you become a Christian, you got to give up a job that you had that was paying you good money, but that job will pull you away from God. Guess what? you got to let it go. Sometimes that boyfriend or girlfriend that you got, that you're mad in love with, there's a reason you haven't married them. God doesn't want you to marry them. And be thankful for that. And so now step on. God's trying to save you from a whole lot of adversity. But we suffer. Job had seven funerals in one day. You and I ought the whole, we never have that experience, but you don't know. These family vacations you take, where you all are flying on an airplane, Or you go out to eat dinner somewhere. And you guys know now, eating, eating eating dinner at a restaurant is dangerous. Folk run into the restaurant. Okay, I'm the only one that watches the news. Houses blow up. Folk in the house, it just blows up. Some gas leak or whatever, and the house just blows up. God's people suffer. God's people go through divorce. We know what scripture says about it, but it happens. That's suffering. But God can still deliver. That's the good news. That's a good part about it. Thirdly, don't abandon God in the midst of your struggles. Too many people quit on God when things don't go their way. They can't get the job that they want. They can't live where they want to live. They can't get the man they want. They can't get the woman that they want. They don't have the status that they want. And they just leave God out. It may very well be none of those things you need. You got to be spiritually mature to come to that realization. To recognize just because I want it does not mean God wants it for me. And we will confuse what we want and say that's what God wants for me. Who said that? You. You're the only one who said it. The people around you know you don't need it because you can't handle what you're going through right now. So don't abandon God in the midst of your struggles. Draw closer to him and listen to some spiritual people, by the way. Recognize, as we see with our brother Job, your end can be better than your beginning. Now, okay, now some of you, let's be real with me. You live in hound the hog now, when you consider where you started off in life. Amen. All of you weren't born in, in the city. Amen. Some of you come from uh, way back in the country. <laughs> way, way back there in the country. Now I know you city people don't know what I'm talking about, but but some of you grew up way in the country. No air conditioning. You didn't have a closet full of clothes growing up. You didn't have every toy that money can buy. But look at you now. You're driving an expensive car. You got your own house. You got money in the bank. You got 401k and 50 whatever that stuff is. You can go out and buy whatever you want. Who do you think brought you from being back in the country Back where there was no daylight hardly. To where you are now. Living in comfort. You can go out and buy, Brother Brian. You can go out and buy whatever you want. Got good credit now. Nobody but God did that. So don't tell me you can't bounce back. But what needs to happen is we need to stay faithful to God. Now some of us are going through it right now. And I want to appeal you to don't quit on God. Don't quit on him because it looks bad, it looks gray right now. God's still there. God still loves you. He still wants the best for you. Hold on. There's a second act coming. So you don't want to quit too early. Some of you with these health issues, uh, you are doing better than your doctors ever predicted. That's because God is on your side. And God has the last word when it comes to the health of his folk. That's why you need to be careful who you put your faith in. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't let other people encourage you to quit. That's right. or give. Stay faithful. And see if you won't bounce back. Now, if I had a basketball, I'd be up here bouncing them. <laughs> be like Steph Curry or who are some of these other folks. Uh, James Harden, Kevin Durant. And then the... yeah. you can bounce back. You can bounce back. But you gotta stay in the right environment and you gotta have the right Yeah, yeah there, you go. there you go. There you go. You can bounce back. And if we understand that, then it gives us a different way to look at the adversity that comes in our life whatever it is, or wherever it comes from. Because God still got your back. Uh, today, are you being tempted to quit? Don't quit. Do you have some friends coming over or advisors coming over encouraging you to do stuff that's not consistent with God's will? Don't listen to them, folk. You may be down to your last dollar. Just like you got that dollar, God got some more dollars. Don't quit. Maintain your integrity regardless of what other people are saying you could do or ought to do. You know what God has commanded us to do. Stay faithful, even in the midst of it. And learn how to wait. And see if your second act won't be better than your first act. If you need to make a statement, you need to make a prayer request, or you need to make a confession of sin, don't let this moment go by. Because adversity is still out there. It's not over until you're dead. And if you're going through stuff right now, recognize God is the one who is sustaining you. And God will continue to sustain you until he's ready to say farewell. Not when other people want to write you off. There comes a time where we need to mature in our faith and recognize there's just stuff that happens. And you don't have to be a bad person for it to happen. But it's just life. It's life. You're not unique. You're not the only one this has happened to. And too many times Satan will convince us, well, you're the only one going through this. He's a liar. Don't believe him. But we will sit around and get in our corner and get all depressed. And well, nobody knows what I'm going through. And, you know, they won't understand. And so you find yourself needlessly isolated when what you need is a fellowship of God's people to sustain you in this interim period, to help you regain your focus and your strength. If you need to respond to the invitation today, we're going to give you the opportunity to do it as we now stand and sing.